not winning 90% of your new business because you have some sort of incredible value. I'm going to take a bit of a different angle. You know, I've got a budget this big. I'm going to give it to you because you have a, a really killer plan. You give a Red Bull to a turtle, what do you expect? <laughs> I think that's a dead turtle. <laughs> so let's move on to... Uh, Ebrick. Cheers. 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 Does your current premium finance company lock you into long-term agreements? That's because they don't want you talking to us. At IFS, we win your business the good old-fashioned way, with customer service. I know you don't always have to use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers. Hi there. Welcome to the Digital Insurance Pint Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Reed, and as always, I'm joined by Jeff Roy, CEO of Excalibur Insurance. Steve Earle, CEO of Cheap Insurance, and the new and improved Adam Mitchell, CEO of Mitch and Whale. And I'm sure we're going to be hearing about the bet that he lost to shave his head here. So, um, and special guest today, Reed Holsworth, CEO of Ivan's out of the U.S. And uh, Reed is clearly in his garage. We'll definitely get into that. But first, uh, I'll turn it over to Jeff and read up with some speed round questions. Jeff, over to you. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Reed, good to see you again. Uh, Reed and I met back at uh, Elevate 17 in Wisconsin over a spotted cow beer. And uh, is that what you're drinking right now in your monster garage there, bud? Absolutely is, 100%. Spotted, one of the best beers I've ever had in my life. Uh, we, I actually handed them out in my session with Una. Uh, we changed the game for sessions, handing beer out while you're educating people. So good times. Behind Garrison's, right, Jeff? Just like, right, just ever so slightly right behind Garrison. Garrison. Well, if we can't, you can't get spotted uh, cow out of Milwaukee. So, uh, you know, so Gary, we have Garrison's, which I got the Deja Mu. It's dynamite stuff. Hey, Reed, uh, I'm going to start you off really easy and light. What's your favorite Canadian musical artist? Hmm, Drake. Drake, nice. All right. The weekend's good, too. The, the weekend, little hotline bling. You know, hey, I like the Bieber, man. Bieber's all right, too. I don't he care. grew up 50 yeah. minutes from uh, Clinton and Stratford, so uh, the Beeb. Good luck. I love it. I know. Drake, uh, you, and I, you, you, you and I, you and I phone or Android guy? Oh, iPhone. I, I, yeah, I can't. Yeah. 100%. Now, when you're not uh, changing the world with connectivity and computers, what do you like to do for, you rather do race cars or motocross? Right now, motocross. Awesome. Race cars for a lot of years, but, and I still love the cars, but moto is a whole nother game. Awesome. And, but, and the last question, and good things rocking here. When COVID's over, where's the one place you want to travel and go to? Honestly, I've done a lot of travel during COVID. So, um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't you're know. you're in the south side of the border, so you guys have a little more free reign than we do in Canada. Yes. Yeah. That that question resonates more with Canadians. I think that's an American. So Americans like, hey, hey, man, I've been vaccinated. What's your point? Isn't it over? It's already over, right? Like that's fake news. Okay, I, I I do have to say, I was looking at my YouTube channel the other day, and I saw a little thumbnail that said, you know, how Canada was uh, sucking and shutting down Alberta more, and didn't have the vaccines. And over here. There was some travel thing that was saying, hey, it's May 2021. 20, Here's what's happening in Las Vegas as we reopen. And I'm like, God damn it. So the correct answer, Reed, was I want to travel to Canada. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. That's what I meant. What did I say? What came out? <laughs> Reed, let's, let's, let's get into your background. So you're sitting there in your, in your, in your, uh, in your sweet uh, garage, but there's more to you than just that. So give us, give us the two-minute Reed Holesworth rundown here. Yeah, sure. So um... Serial entrepreneur, uh, started my first business when I was a little kid, 
um, literally 12 years old, really kind of my first business, real business when I was 19. Um, dad was an entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur as well. Um, thought about getting a real job throughout that at some point. My family basically sat me down and had an intervention with me. <laughs> Long story short, um, fell into insurance number of years ago. Um, friends of mine had bought a small insurance agency and really scaled it into something special, um, over a thousand employees within a few years. And, um, that was actually right around when the market fell out in 08 and, um, they were just crushing it, man. And, and, uh, and industry I was in, I was, I was in construction at that time, a construction company and things were good, but they weren't the same. And so, you know, I just, they said, Hey, why don't you come over and learn insurance? And I said, I'll try it. And so when I got my license, um, they gave me their largest agency at the time in the country to run. Um, and, uh, yeah, got the keys in the door, walked in the door and set my, my license, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed. And here I am. So I, I have one quick question and it's, I'm not going to be too direct about what you did with your sale there, but it's more of a formula. So if, a canary is worth a dollar. How many canaries could Reed buy with what <laughs> he got from Applied? Mm, a few suitcases full. Okay, okay. We'll leave it at that. A big, big cage full. <laughs> how, many, how many motocross tracks could you afford at your house based on that? A few. I think the answer is at least, at least one. At, at least, least one. one. At least one. Yeah. <laughs> and to follow on to uh, Steve's question, and I, I still want to find out what happened to Adam's hair. He's trying to look. Like, he's, he's trying to look like Quoty. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> Why hire a mascot when you can be the mascot? Listen, I try and make this a welcoming podcast for our guests, and I grow a beard and I match a haircut, and you guys are throwing me under the bus. <laughs> he's even got the right color on. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Is somebody looking for a job? Are you looking for a job, Adam? What's going on? I, I, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Sold. <laughs> so, Reed, why uh, why join Ivan's? Like, why? Uh, so, you know, you're you're now a salary man. You're working for somebody else. That seems out of character for you. What the reason why I joined Ivan? So, a lot of people know this story. I like to tell it all the time. I had no golden handcuffs with Applied. Um, we sold the business, and it was a clean deal. And and golden handcuffs meaning earn out or anything like that. So myself and, and our team, when we sold the business, we said that it was part of the negotiation. We said, listen, if we want to work for you, we're going to want to work for you. And if we don't, we're not, it's that simple. And so because of that, it's pretty cool after Taylor coming in and whatnot, he's kind of just let me run my own show. Um, and so the Ivan's thing, it's really, it's very different than what I've done in the past, but I have a lot of my same team. I have my own executive team. I mean, we have, you know, it's a totally different unit. Can you break down the Canadian answer of, of what is Ivan's? Ivan's is, I mean, CSIO in a lot of ways. So today Ivan serves close to 500 carriers between um, insurance carriers, MGAs, um, digital broker, digital MGAs really, not brokers, sorry. Um, connecting them down to all their distribution which is um, over 32,000 agencies. Wow. About a million files a day run through our pipes. It's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of million, or hundreds and hundreds of million transactions a year. So it's, it's a lot of data flows through our pipes. So, so Ivan's has been around for 40 years. Um, Ivan's was founded um, with the same founding members as Accord. Um, so Accord and Ivan started around the same time. 
and the industry said, hey, we need standards, Accord, um, and we need connectivity, which is iPhones. So for the past almost 40 years, our team has been connecting those core carrier systems to the management systems, therefore bringing the data um, to the agent's desktop. How did it go to be privately owned? They sold it. I, I don't actually know the story. Honestly, maybe I should. My, my understanding is I, I heard they were losing money and nobody wanted to take it over and Applied made an offer. Sounds about right. Imagine uh, Applied owning Cezio in Canada. How would that go over? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, people look at it like it's a scary thing. Listen, when Applied bought Ivan's, I was founder and CEO of Tech Canary at the time. It's funny that it goes that far back, but whatever. And I was worried, really worried when that happened. I mean, I'm, I speak the truth, man. You ask me a question, I'll give you the truth. And I'll tell you though, if Applied played with the industry in that way, the industry will lash back in a major way. And the industry pays Applied's bills. So Applied has been a great steward of Ivan's. And frankly, they haven't done a whole lot with it until um, I've taken control and my team has taken control. Um, so you're probably starting to hear, and we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into some of this, some of the big changes, some of the stuff we're doing and blah, 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 blah. But I think that you know Applied has proven that um, although they've owned Ivan's, they've never done anything malicious with it or anything like that, nor do they ever plan to. Um, I will say that was, that was something that Reed French brought. Very strategic move, very smart acquisition. Um, and it's been, it's been really good for us overall. The truth about then you having trouble at Technary connecting to it isn't true. There's folklore that you had a bit of a struggle getting connected because you were a competitor at one point. So that you actually didn't have any issues. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. We were, we were an Ivan's customer, um, for, for a very long time. Um, and so, I mean, from the beginning, really, uh, prior to even Techinary even starting, really, um, we started kind of as an agency. You know, there's been conversation in Canada about, oh, geez, you know, if Applied took over CSIO net, that would be, you know, a big problem. That's not going to happen. So tell us about, you know, what's happened in the last six months. So the way, you know, the way I think of CSIO net, it's, you know, you talk about 40 years old and it's, you know, it's old school batch EDI. It sends data down over the pipes overnight, hits the BMS, it unpacks it populates the BMS, but it's, you know, it's static, it's batch, it's once a day, it's old school, right? And my view on Ivan's is that that's essentially the same thing that it was. And so maybe tell us about where, you know, where it is now and where it's going. Yeah, it's, it's exact same. I mean, so, so it's literally batch AL3 from the carriers. Well, I mean, we're doing the translation, we're pulling the data out of the carrier system, then we're converting it to AL3, then it goes, then it goes to a mailbox and agency management systems are going and pulling um, from the mailbox, updating um, daily. Now, the, the, uh, there's a misconception there. It's not Ivan's and, and the carrier that does that. The carriers, you can go and ping them. They can send data to those to those mailboxes at any time. It's the management systems that are pulling um, either once a day. When we built it in Techinary, we pulled every 15 minutes. Um, so it's it's all about how how you build it. So you can go and tap into it. Uh, a lot of other thing people don't realize too is that Ivan's has had APIs for a long time and you can get actual real-time downloads from a number of the carriers. Um, but the management systems and the systems that are out there have built to that batch AL3. And so that's why AL3 is there, exists, and is not going. So if you have real-time connected to batch, you end up with batch. That's right. That's right. And it's and And frankly, on download... I could see we could do so much more if it is in real time, 
but it's after the fact anyways. You sell the policy, you buy the policy, it's coming in. You make the change uh, um, on the policy, now it's, it's coming down. You know, you get your monthly commission statements or a claim just happened at the carrier, now the claim's sent through um, um, download. So, you know, I, I don't think there has been a, a huge need for, for more of a, a real-time connectivity. In I beg to differ, Reed. I beg to right, Let's Let's do it. Now, uh, you make a change and somebody asks you, what's my new payment or what is True. X, right? Um, You're right, in real time. You're absolutely right. We really don't know yet because we can, we can take the time to run that through applied rating services again and come up with an incorrect answer. Or yeah. we can wait till tomorrow and hopefully then I can tell you and call you back. Or we can double we could double entry and put it in the portal. You can. Yeah, yeah. We could run over to the portal and do it there again too. Like like that's that's not an environment that we really want to live in right now. Again, so if it exists at the carrier, the systems out there could make it happen. But it doesn't and it hasn't, right? And so I agree with you in, in that example, 100%. Uh, you're making an endorsement, you know, your customer calls the carrier, they make a change. You don't even know they call, they, you don't even know that that happened. They, they don't necessarily always call the agent. Uh, they used to be exclusively agent, but now there's some tools in which people can get direct service from our own suppliers now. Yeah, I mean, in the States, you know, I'm a independent, I buy progressive. I, I download the progressive app. I want to make a vehicle change. I can do it right in the app. I don't have to talk to my agent. Yeah, that's the same. That's the same thing here with Intact, right? They, if a customer gets the Intact app, they can go ahead and do something, and the broker doesn't know about it until it gets downloaded the next, you know, the next day or the day after that or whenever it comes down. So the customer so, knows before the broker. Yeah, which is not good. That's I think to support Steve's point, that's where you know, the real the, the real time would come in handy. Then you would know you'd get a. Depending how the system works, you'd get a ping, or the next time you looked at it, it would be updated, or you know, however that's been implemented. But at least you'd you'd be current. It'd be interesting when the, when the customer does it on the company portal and doesn't put the right coverage. Are they going to sue the company for you know? Reed, you've been a good visionary and and executed some some great businesses, um, and you know have some motocross tracks and cars to to prove the success. Where, where do, loosely speaking, um, there's the butter upside of like the flip side of. Where, where do you see the puck going? Like this one, three, five years of probably not a whole lot in one, three, but like, where do you see things coming? I mean, in, in, in our world, I think you're going to see, at least in the States, the most change happening around what's happening at Ivan's, honestly. And it's opening up that connectivity. And, and I say every carrier out there is spending billions of dollars on going digital. Right. And so, but what does that mean? So they go digital and they open up these APIs <clears throat> for a number of things, but who are they going to connect to with those APIs? Because they want to be in control of their distribution and what's happening there um, with these connections. So if that was open, right. And, but the carrier still had the ability to control the distribution from a single source, a single pipe, that then is connected back down to all of the distribution. Other systems out there can start to leverage that. They can start to build new technologies to do all kinds of things around it. And so, you know, people have been talking about this stuff for years. And, you know, um, 
I can I can speak a little bit to Epic because I'm I'm somewhat close to it. Um, because I you know whatever. What they're doing in Epic transformation and opening up with real APIs, and it's not BS. Like I've seen that stuff. It really is. Well, now it allows people to build technologies around those stacks, and then they're able to tap into the data feeds that are direct from the carrier, not just the management system. Because the cleanest data set out there in the industry is what the carrier has. But the carrier is only sending it down to the management systems, and today, the only way you can get to that data is through the management system. Well, what if you could get to that data, your data, the agency's data, of course, um, within something like Ivan's? And then what if Ivan's offered a platform um, where you as a distribution platform, think of a SEMC or a Bold Penguin or these types of companies, um, were able to access one pipe for all the submissions and all the, the commercial lines rating and things like that. They didn't have to worry about building pipes for connectivity. So if the connectivity existed and everybody has these APIs and that, and then there's one single API that connects all of them, what does that do? It opens up the industry. Yeah. Actually for the benefit of our Canadian viewers, that sounds, uh, and the guys here on the panel can contradict me if they uh, want to, but that sounds remarkably like uh, broker flow, like the Ontario Broker Association's proposal from a couple of years back, right? Where they, there was a, call it a hub, for lack of a better term, that talked to all the back, you know, all the carriers at the back end, and then essentially converted that into one output that any vendor could then connect to. So it was, you know, very, very, very similar, well, identical across the board. But that hub did all the work to convert uh, all the crap in the background, which, yeah, you're right, Reed, that is, that's all the core, you know, 100% up-to-date data, but it's not being presented in a way that's easily consumable. So that hub, you know, in, in the Canadian term, that now broker flow is an idea that was proposed and, you know, didn't get enough support. Sounds like that's essentially what you guys are planning on doing um, down there. Because it, it doesn't mean that broker flow is a bad idea. In fact, it's a pretty good idea. It just didn't get the support, whereas it sounds like you guys are getting that support. Well, we're at, with the carriers are already our customers. We've already connected them. We have teams of people that have spent 30 years knowing the standards and working with these core systems. I mean, we work with Guidewire, Duck Creek, Insurity, you name it. I mean, we're doing stuff with Velocity and Salesforce and, and whatnot, and their new natively built policy administration system. I mean, we're doing stuff with like Brightcore, some of these other core systems. And so, so we have the connections, we have the customers. Um, we also know the technologies and, and how to do it. And this is what we do day in and day out. So Reed, as the for-profit American version of CSIO and who Tom has pointed out, you're, you're basically creating uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the version of what we call broker flow. It's something that was going on here in Canada. Was that that Guidewire project that was going on? Because I was on a few of those calls back in the day. No, that was uh, Guidewire had a add-on tool called the Broker Accelerator. It was similar in concept, but it only talked to Guidewire. Ah, uh, okay. My question is, as you build what we identify as broker flow option, did standards go to the wind? 100% not. No, because, because the API is standardized. You see, that's the problem. So look, here's the thing. We were talking about this the other day, Steve. 
the thing is, is that the, the carriers have their core systems. Those core systems don't have a standardized data model. People don't understand that. Like if you buy one of those systems, it's not just out of the box. Here you go. It's built to the standard, you know, no. And then even if it is, they're like, wait a second, we're different. We want it like this and we do that. And our coverage is different like that. And like, we're, we're, we're very unique, you know? We're very special. We're very special. Pull down the curtains and you're 90% the same. That's exactly right. So, so fine. That's okay. We've dealt with that for the past 40 years, right? Almost 40 years. But if you have a pipe that you're tapping into, right? So think of like, um, I'm trying to think of an example. Think of like an electric facility, right? You could have solar power coming into it. You could have like hydroelectric. You'd have all these different sources of power coming into this, you know, um, power grid. I'm totally making this stuff up. So somebody don't even try to correct me because I'm totally wrong. But like, you get it. Here's the thing that all the power sources come into, right? Now, if I have a pipe that I tap into that's standardized, that hits all that, isn't that the standard? One of the things in Canada, one of the reasons broker flow didn't get off the ground to the level it did is number one, people d use the single source of failure. So if that pipe goes down, everybody's down and it's a honeypot for hackers. I believe that that's a bit of an excuse. We can overcome that easily. Uh, the other concern was you have somebody in the middle that's getting a chunk of that transaction fee to, to push that money, that data to connect those points together. And people wanted to go to end to end because they felt that was more economical using the standards. However, I make an ar argument. There's some people that never get there. They no. can sign up tomorrow with you. You can connect the APIs, move people to the standards and get them there quicker. So a number of us felt that was a lot faster way to get there. But there's some people said, oh, no, it's got to be end to end, nobody in between. But some people just can't get there. So that was some of the debate. And one of the big struggles was nobody wanted to build it. The vendors that actually put their hand up to say, hey, we'll build it. They weren't uh, didn't have enough chops or people didn't have enough confidence they could actually pull it off. So that's kind of where broker flow kind of went. Sorry, the other problem with what you just said, too is that you have all the vendors that don't really want that because a lot of them, that's their competitive edge. If I have these five connections and you over here, two dudes in a MacBook Pro startup, right? You go and try to get even one of those. Good luck, man. Yeah. So why would I want to connect up to something that gives two dudes in a MacBook Pro access? I can validate the same thing. Like we're, we're sort of conflicted all the time. As soon as you get standards out there, then all the hard work to get past the world before there were standards is moot like we just leveled the playing field and now everyone with a macbook is now in with the solution but when you start to enable those smaller guys the dudes like myself like i was i was one dude and not even a macbook pro i think i had like a mac mini like even if they still sell those right mini mac you know but it enables people to start to build real solutions you know, they're thinking about the front end and all this. They don't have to think about the connectivity. And then the bigger one is getting the thumbs up and vetted out from the carriers. They can just build innovative solutions. So, Reed, Reed, let me ask you this then. Doesn't your whole plan here, everything that you're doing with IVANS and this run, isn't it a threat kind of to applied? Because you're opening up, opening up this landscape and you're working, apparently working really hard to do it, to invite more competition to Applied. No, it is. But the thing is, is that Applied under Taylor's leadership has changed. And they have become a modern software company. 
And what does a modern software company do? They don't play games like that. They build badass tech that people buy and they, and they get a real return on that investment. Like I, I drank the Kool-Aid when we talked to <clears throat> Taylor on our show. Um, but I, I've yet to see it in my billing, my efficiency or anything else as an Epic broker. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. My cost of value is currently not there. And he's told me that's going to change. I really hope that it does. But back to what Ivan's does. But Steve, if it doesn't, if it doesn't, go get something else, man. It's all good. You know what? Nobody else is plugged in here either. So that's, that's my next, that's where I'm going with this question is you're running Ivan's, which is the American equivalent of CSIO. In your opinion, where does that organization need to go in order for Canadian brokers to really succeed? Let me just put a little tweak on what Steve says, just to, because I think, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Reed, but I, I see that Ivan's is the equivalent of CSIO net. Yes. Yeah, that's fair because we don't deal with the forms. So CSIO is like partially like Accord and partially like Ivan's. Yeah. So I think when you answer your question and when people listen to this, we think sort of make it, it's not CSIO in general we're talking about, it's CSIO net specifically that we're talking about. So it's not the standards bit, it's that, that piping, that infrastructure that connects people. Yeah, when we talk CSIO, um, we're talking the data from the carriers that flows down to the management system. That's what we're talking about, right? Um, Ivan's does a lot more than just that. Um, we do data up to the carriers as well. Um, we just built the Ivan's distribution platform, which is also the submission information and that whole flow where we're connecting up the insure tech so they don't have to build the connectivity. Uh, think Bold Penguins, MC, those kind of guys, right? Um, it's a little bit different. So at Ivan's, you're actually building, you're programming the API that takes data from here, converts it, and gives it to somebody over there. Yeah? That is correct. Okay, because that's, my understanding is that's, and, you know, a couple, uh, Steve sits on the CSIO board, he might be better to answer this one, but CSIO is, on our end, is doing more of the, you know, the Accord thing, which is setting the standards. But to my knowledge, and Steve, you jump in here, but I don't think they're actually building the APIs per se. Yes. Think of it like this. Here's, here's another way to think about it. Think of credit score. What's your credit score, right? Think about a world we didn't have credit scores. Not that we're like building an insurance score or whatever, but if I wanted to issue any of you credit, what would I do? Like call your references prior to that? No, now I can look at your credit score. I can see your credit history. I, I tap into it. The single source of truth is not it can't be on the insurer side. It's what's bound. It's what's enforced. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's bound and enforced is what the insurer cares about. Those are the boxes that they care about, right? So we've just gone through and are in the middle of a huge cleanup session in our industry about trying to get data back in our broker management systems of the data we put in there that insurers were wiped out with their source of truth, right? So right, right. If, the, it, it, if the occupation of a customer is not something that the insurer cares about and they bring back nothing, 
Well, is that the source of truth that they don't have a job anymore or? So, okay. Let me, let me complete that. Let me complete that. So you're right, Steve. I agree with you on that. It's not all of the data about the customer because the, the agent has the, the information about that customer per se, but the policy information, the actual coverage details, the whole nine of what is bound, what's enforced. That is the cleanest there. I mean, historically, I don't know. I, I'm not as close to the Canadian market, but in the States, manually typing that all in, putting that all in, you know, maintaining it, the whole nine, right? But you're right. The sales information, the customer acquisition cost, you know, all the marketing, everything you're doing there, the quoting, what happened with them, which is very powerful. That lives in the management system. Hey, loyal listeners, when you hear me say CAS certified, that means that we use them in our agency. Are you a local insurance agent looking to take your business to the next level? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS, aka Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. But like in today's world, we use these initials like it's cool because it is. It's hip. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they offer the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing market. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and the guidance you need to see your agency succeed. Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't you survive in the competitive insurance industry? Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions today. Get started today and learn more at mbsbrokerage.com. That's where you learn more, mbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. You know, our data needs to be as good. Uh, the companies maybe have a little better version of it, a little cleaner version, but part of the problem is our companies are downloading and destructing our data and wiping out what we had because they can't follow the standards. They're interpreting it using artistic measures. And uh, one of the carriers that is connected with you that owns Ivan's has been one of the guilty parties in Canada, right? They've been wiping data out. They're trying to get that fixed, but we're losing data. We're having to type it in. So when we go to do something, we don't have that full view of the client. So guys, these are actually two two issues. Like what Reed's talking about here is, where's the source of truth, right? That's the what you know in tech talk sometimes called the golden record, whatever you want to call it. This is hey, if when a claim happens, for example, you know whose data are you looking at? You're looking at the carrier's data, right? And now the broker, if something goes awry, the broker could argue, oh, that's not what we put in. The underwriter made a mistake, whatever. Right? But that's that's the that's the uh, the edge case. But the typical case is. Claim comes in, claims adjuster looks at what's in their system, takes action on that basis. That, that's what Reed's talking about. You know, the data destruction, that, that's a separate issue. And that's, 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 that's a mechanical issue where we're taking, we're taking that golden record and trying to say, here, have a copy of it in your BMS. And it's getting, it's getting screwed up in the transfer, the handoff, the handoff fell down, right? My, my point is, Tom, the golden record should be in our system in the companies, or we should have the exact access. There's, there, we're currently in the environment, it's not there. Broker's selling a carrier's product, right? The carrier is the owner of the price and product. You are the owner of the client, right? So all that data about the client, absolutely, that, that's, that, that should be the golden record in your system, but all that data about the price and product is, is golden, the golden record in the carrier system. You know, what's interesting about our industry is that there's multiple parties that kind of have an ownership to that. But 
you know, so we think about the, from the customer, what, what defines the customer? 100% agree, broker, boom, done, end of story, right? But, but you are selling to that customer something manufactured by the carrier, which is their thing, and you're getting a copy of that. Yeah, collaboration, you write cool songs, right? So, hey, quick question, can I, can I flip it? Can I flip it over to, uh, you know, your Salesforce integration or uh, basically the other thing I'm curious about is the data. There's a ton of insights that Ivan's get from the uploads, downloads, the insights. Like, you know, right now Applied System is putting out, for instance, reports on what the average cost of auto insurance is across Canada from the rating module. So you've got a ton of insight. What can you use? What can you share out? what restrictions are in place in the US? Like, you know, Google is an investor. Is Google, is there like a firewall or thing not allowing them in? Or are they allowed to use that? Going back to, is this actually ties into what we were talking about a minute ago? The biggest problem that people have is what you guys just said. With, with, with the connectivity from the carriers. Data comes in, it overwrites all this stuff that we put in, right? Why is that though? And typically, typically, at least in the States, typically it's because people are putting data in fields. Like, I don't know, maybe they're putting information in a fax field like the email, right? This is a good example of that. When we used to do data migrations, we saw a ton of this. Emails and fax fields. Why? Because originally that system didn't have an email field, right? Download comes in, updates the phone number. How do I email that? I don't have an email anymore, right? Crude example, but still kind of true today, even. It's craziness. And so there, that goes deep. You know, all the, the custom forms and all this, and where people are putting stuff everywhere. So what we did, and um, it's coming out in July, is we said, hey, listen, have all the data come into Ivan's. You can look at it. We're actually standing up in a standardized view. You can go in, you know, bring up policy. But you get to pick and choose what comes into the management system. Not only are we allowing management systems to tap into that pipe, we're allowing other systems. What systems? To be determined. People could build all kinds of stuff around that. You know, we have to look at it as an industry from different eyes. Like it's one thing to protect, but the insurance tax say, I don't care. We don't, we don't use your standards. We're going to blow you away anyway. And, uh, you know, we don't care if two guys in a Mac can't use it. We, we're going to build it ourselves anyway. We got the money and we're going to start eating your lunch. So there's some interesting things brewing in Canada that, you know, our own rules are, are both helping prevent and protect, but also limiting. When so, do you think that the two guys in a Mac world gets here? As in the, the open API system that we can all sort of, build to and pick and choose whatever pieces we want like are you feeling that six months away is that a year away like what do you think look, look at this way how much innovation has there been in the commercial space you look at i mean adam you case in point you got cody going right you got bullfrog you got apollo um and on the personal insurance space like there is none because it's so we call it regulated right and the last time the last time regulated actually helped innovation was oh yeah never so we are, we are seeing some of the two men, two guy in a Mac shit, but it's on the commercial space where there, there are no, essentially no standards. There is no regulation. What I'm asking, you had a, a bold comment I didn't take lightly of like, hey, Taylor's not BSing you. That is true. It's coming. They're replatforming the entire thing. They're going to be a modern kick-ass system. And Steve says, yeah, 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 I'll believe it when I see it. And I'm trying to figure out what date does Steve eat his hat? I, realistically, to market where people can really do stuff with it, I think we're probably still a year out. Honestly, 
past beta, past some bugs. It, is it is it also fair to assume then that 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 getting your teeth into it a year is is likely to release in your side of the border versus ours first, so that we're probably a year and a half before the Canadian fields and other connectivity catches up. I feel it's the same solution overall, so I don't see why it would it would take longer to roll. We we lost five percent market share the last five years. Deloitte projects we lose another five percent. Is this that which means typically because it's going to directs, and I don't Ivan's maybe you deal with directs I don't know, but that means Applied's going to lose five percent too, right? In users. Is that going to change? 5% of users or 5% of premium? 5% of market share is going to be lost in the next five years by the broker channel in Canada, which if you extrapolate that means what? It's going to go to directs. That's what Deloitte's saying. That means 5% of applied business is going down the tubes. I don't know. I'm not looking at the numbers, dude. And I, I think I, I would, I would. I don't know. I think you could argue that a number of different ways. Well, I mean, I, I'm not saying we're going to have to. I'm just hoping that all these changes really have an effect to change those numbers around. But let me. This is the guys that the, the Deloitte's go on top of a mountaintop and say this. That's why we better get our shit in gear and make sure it doesn't happen, right? Like, there's a bunch of us that are growing through this, and we're not losing five percent. So let me, let me, let me, let me, let me tweak Steve's question here. If we had, if we had better. If if we didn't if broker channel didn't lose that five point the market share right maybe so because maybe they're not losing premium because maybe the market's gone up by seven so they're they're going up by two but there's certainly an opportunity cost right applied could uh, brokers could have seven more seven percent more seats but they're only going to have two percent more seats because of lost five points well I would first ask to, to be able to even begin to answer that question I would first ask why are they going why are they going to the directs what's the reason. Did Deloitte say that? Yeah, That's where I'm going. You're baiting me on it, that it's it's the technology and they have better technology, blah, 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 blah. No, they don't. It's different. Like, I know those guys. It's just different. It's one market. Well, you figured out my sandbag. I disagree. It's because convenience, connectivity, communication, they can do it better than we can right now with the tools. It's one company. One risk. It's like Guidewire connected to a website, right? That's kind of where Steve's going, I think, is, listen, because at, at the end of the day, it's not really about the technology. It's about the customer experience. The, techno the technology just supports that or doesn't support it, right? Yeah. So what you're saying, I think, if I hear you correctly, read, is that the direct layers don't have this big hurdle, right? They don't have to connect to 15 carriers and figure out all these standards and shit. No, it's just it's a website, as you say, a website on top of Guidewire, done, right? At that point, you can spend a million, you know, have 5,000 guys a year tweaking the, the website and the be awesome the technology who gives a shit it's basic right brokers it's got to be way more complicated to have that same level of customer experience i think that's where steve's going it's not about the tech it's about the experience i really appreciate you being my interpreter tom <laughs> what sort of influence and do you listen to them what what goes on interaction wise between ivan's and the big guy yeah i mean i don't know we don't get in the middle of it man i mean we're, we're you know again we spend we spend most of our time with the carriers 
and the insure tax, the, the, the insurance technology companies. You've got a board. You've got a board right now, right, at Ivan's? Like you've got, I think Jason Cass is one guy that sits on it. How big is your board of agents and brokers that sit on the board? And, and is it made up mainly uh, CZO right now, our board, which like Ivan's is, I wouldn't say dominated, but there's a higher representation of companies and brokers. Uh, what does your board look like? We have a number of advisory boards. Um, and so we have agent advisory board, carrier advisory boards, vendor advisory boards, which sits, I mean, you name it. We have large agencies, small agencies, I mean, all across the board, um, a number of different companies um, that all of you would know that are on all of those advisory boards. Can we can we link a little bit back to your backstory of, you know, you were entrepreneurial, super scrappy, bootstrapping and getting Tech Canary out and going from, from dollar one, code one sort of angle. How did how did you how did it go respecting privacy of whatever's private? Um, of how do you change your mind? How do you shift that and gain respect for Taylor and the new role of peace? Like, what does that journey look like? It's been different, you know, but it's kind of the same. I mean, even when I was with Tech Canary, we had advisory board, we had a board, we had investors. You know, um, you're running a PNL, you're watching costs, you have budgets. Um, it's the same kind of thing. I think where, where I, it wouldn't have worked for me is if I didn't have freedom to, to innovate and to build cool shit and to do stuff that really mattered. And there was some sort of like weird micromanagement kind of control or something that never would have worked. I don't know any of the inner workings, but it would look like a pretty cool thing going a pretty leading disruptor, a lot of noise to, you know, this press release drops and, and banners switch and move. Like, how did it, how did you switch gears? It's a, it, it's just, it's a different game, man. And it's, a, it was, it's an amazing opportunity. Some people could look at it in a negative way, but you got to think, I mean, we, we launched Applied Epic for Salesforce and literally within a few months, we surpassed all of the users number wise that we ever put on Tech Canary. Hey, tell, tell us about like the integration you have with Ivan's to Salesforce. Yeah, so on the Ivan side, so again, Carrier's our customer. Um, so um, Salesforce, after they just uh, recently acquired Velocity. Uh, Velocity is a native policy administration system. Known those guys for a lot of years, former Tech Canary days. We, we were real close to them. Velocity always focused more Carrier um, than agency. So we never like really competitors in that way. So um, a lot of synergies. Actually, um, a couple of guys on my board were on their board as well. Uh, people, a lot of people don't know that. And anyways, so knowing those guys, great business, sold to Salesforce. Now Salesforce is saying, hey, how do we leverage the velocity technology to really go after the insurance vertical, um, specifically on the carriers, right? And so Velocity now is releasing a new product, um, which is called an underwriter workbench. An underwriter workbench is when um, information about a particular risk comes in. Um, they look at it. It's kind of like, in a lot of ways, it's a bit of a CRM and a rating. There's a lot going on there. Um, heavily used, obviously, on, on the commercial line side of the business. And so they're, they, um, they're just releasing it. I think it's this week or last week. Anyways, or they just have um, this underwriter workbench. And so it comes pre-connected out of the box to the Ivan's distribution platform, which Ivan's distribution platform is, again, holding the pipes for um, the submissions of commercial business. And so, um, you know, we recently signed up SEMC, recently signed up Bold Penguin. Um, we obviously are, are connected up to Indio um, and, and, you know, Hawksoft, we're working with all these guys. 
um, we're starting to connect them in. So when some, a carrier purchases velocity, it instantly connects down to the distribution so they can automatically start to get submissions. So if a carrier ever carrier buys the uh, workbench from Velo from Velocity and plugs it in, they can pipe into the the pipeline. And if they did some work in their end, you know, connected it directly to their system of its guide wire or whatever the rating engine plugged it in, then they could take the pipe of things from say a bull penguin risk or from say applied or you know whatever pipelines are being sent in, so they could actually receive submissions like that on scale, right? And to this to their standard. Sounds like twenty first century software wow but not only we're we doing that with with, with salesforce um we're also doing the same thing with guidewire duck creek and surety you know just coming back to the carriers you've said a couple of times that the carriers are the ones who pay the bills for ivans essentially and you know so it's so you know what's running around in my head is okay you know because carriers pay a lot of the bills in canada as well and in some cases they pay it because nobody else will and somebody's got to do it and they're not super thrilled with it but it sounds to me like what you guys are doing is actually giving a real business benefit back. So, you know, if I'm paying, let's say 1% of premium or whatever the number is, but I'm able to manage my flow submissions and my loss ratio, and there's probably some expense benefits and so on, there's a payback there. So do, do you, do you, like, is that something you, your carriers talk to you about is, hey, I'm actually happy to pay whatever I'm paying you guys because I get a multiple of that back. Is that, is that really how they think about it? hundred percent. I mean, we're, you know, we want to retain our customers and we want to provide real value back to our customers, right? So when you think about, we'll talk about downloads specifically, right? That was a thing that set carriers apart from one another back in the day. Like, oh, this carrier downloads, that's great. I want to write more business with them. Well, now it's become table stakes, right? So then if it's table stakes, what value do they really get out of it? They have to do it, but they don't love it. They don't want to like put effort into it, maintain it, add more, yeah. do this. So as a business owner, you look at that, what do you need to do? Provide value back to them. Again, we're in enterprise technology. What is, what provides a real ROI? How can I help their business be more efficient? Can we have the executive summary on the garage? Are we gonna like pimp your garage? You gonna walk through and give us a tour for all our listeners? You have you have at least three pieces of sweet machinery between the site what I can behind you and then the other blue car in the other corner of like what's what's the story? You're clearly a car guy. Yes. Like what do you want? We want to like know what cars are behind me? What you want to see? Yeah, start start there. I'll take out ever anything you'll throw out. So um, I'm really into cars, not necessarily into supercars. Um, I like cars that go really fast and are really loud. And so I've been racing cars for almost 20 years, primarily rally. Um, so I do historic rally. Um, one of the cars over here, I don't know if you can see it. It's right, well, here, I'm gonna move it here. You can see the front end of it over yeah. there, the red yeah. one. That's a, six, that's a 64 Chevelle. Its name's El Habanero. I've had that car for 20 years. I built it from scratch 20 years ago. Um, and so that's kind of where I started racing. The car right behind it is an amazing car. That's a that's a 1953 Studebaker Commander Starlight Coupe. I have two of them. That's pure race car. So for the car guys that are listening, I mean, it has a Hollinger sequential, Penske shocks. I mean, you're talking uh, 358 NASCAR motor. Um, it's it's fiberglass body, full tube chassis. Wow. Really fun car uh, to to drive. And then, you know, I got like some daily stuff. Over here, 
and I won't get into it, a little bit bougie. Um, and then this one, this one I bought in, in 18 new. Um, literally, I was buying a car from my ex-wife and I saw it at the dealership and I said, this thing's amazing. I should do it. That's a that's a 2018 Shelby GT350. One of the one of the most beautiful cars to drive. It's so amazing, especially on the track. Just an awesome, awesome car. Um, not expensive cars. And then the one up on the rack, this is my this is my car. Um, kind of a daily driver down at my place in Florida. It's a 53 Studebaker Commander Starlight Coupe, same as the blue one, but all original. Um, and so, and by the way, for the car people, the 53 Studebaker Commander weighs 3,200 pounds from the factory. Okay, that's all steel. So the blue one um, is way lighter than that. Um, so that's yeah. awesome. That was my question. Okay, so Reed, we uh, we always give uh, our guests the last word here. So uh, I'm not sure if there's any more last words to give after that little uh, mini tour of your garage, but um, I'm sure there's a few guys who uh, just uh, have their still have their jaws on the floor. But um, anyway, give us 30, 60 seconds, whatever, however long you want to take. Give us a quick summary. What's the future for Ivan's? What's the future for Reed? Where 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 are things going? I think we have an opportunity to change the way that insurance is transacted. I also think we have the opportunity to change the way that insurance technology is connecting um, in general. And we're on a mission to try to solve that. And to once we fix the connectivity issue, and we will, we're going to, it just opens it all up and allows people to build really cool shit. All my friends, family, everybody in this industry and everything that everybody's done for me personally, buying all this shit behind me, technically, right? It's giving it back, man. And I think, look, you guys and what you're doing and your different roles and, and, and taking the time, even on this podcast. And there's, you know, let, let's be real. There's lots of podcasts out there, but everybody that's putting in time for all of this, we want to give back. We want to help. We want to help this industry continue to be successful. So I say, Steve, fuck your 5%. Let's take it the fuck <laughs> back, dude. I hear what you, buddy. To fix it? You know? So change the world, buddy. I love it. <laughs> Cheers to that. Cheers. Ditto. Thanks, Reed. On behalf of IFS Premium Financing, our keynote, our key sponsor, I want to say thank you very much for coming to the show. It was fantastic having you and really appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers. Guys. Is retention important to your brokerage? Of course it is. That's why at IFS, we have a cancellation prevention process. Want more details? Give us a call. I know you don't always use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers. So, wow, that was, uh, that was awesome. I mean, uh, Reed seems, uh, Reed is definitely the guy you want to hang out in his garage, have a beer with, and check out his cars, but he's also done some pretty cool shit in our industry, and one of those guys who's really trying to make a difference, which is fantastic. Well, he's not trying to make a difference. He's made a difference and he's yeah. now gracious enough to get back on the horse. It's, it seems crazy to me that Applied captured this lightning in the bottle. Like you don't normally get these sort of Mustangs on payroll, right? Like this is, he's, he's the real deal. Yeah. But uh, you know, people that are good leaders attract good people, right? So 
you know, Taylor's come in. He's got, he's been able to keep Reed. And Reed said, hey, Taylor wasn't there. I wouldn't be interested. Look at the CV on the guy. And it was a really bright move in the sense of uh, he's been a broker. He built a BMS. And he's a serial entrepreneur. Like, if if you're going to drive your business in the right direction, who do you who do you put in charge of that, right? Yeah, we need leadership like him right now at this time because we need people that aren't scared to launch, fail, learn, fix, not scared to take to fall. You know, they're bold and uh, call bullshit and call bullshit, right? Like he's he has nothing. He doesn't need to do the job, as Adam points out, but he's doing it. He's got a nobler cause. He loves the industry, but he wants to change it and put a dent in the universe. He believes, Steve, we're going to get our 5% back. You know, who said, the, who said, uh, who said I'm going to help you get that 5% back? I'm not hearing from my companies, not hearing from anybody. You know, they're, they're my, some of our companies are taking our 5%. So I love to hear that. The Americans brokers or agents, they're 5% back. Cause guess what? His, uh, his border ends at the 49th parallel, man. So, uh, he's doing some cool shit, but we have, we have to, you know, we have to follow him. We have to copy him in Canada or at least co copy his intentions. Anyway, we, we have to somehow replicate that enablement to, to allow us to regain that market share because I mean, all the projections are a continuous slide down and, um, it's really this tech and connectivity that's holding us back. And we got, we got to fix that fucking problem. You know, we've done a number of episodes now talking to people in that space or about that space. And I think we, we keep coming back to the fact that we need the connectivity and that there's so many things that we can actually point to that, that it helps. And there's so many things we know that we can't point to because they haven't been invented yet. That will help as well. That will help move that needle. And it all comes back to being carriers and brokers being real time connected. You know, one of the points that stuck with me, and I, I think it's a true point because it's rattled around our head a bit too. So to hear it validated again, but the conflict of interest around standardization and the incumbents and the idea that like everyone who has put in huge effort and investment ourselves included right um have a vested interest in standardization not succeeding because that does plow down all the barriers to say sure you got a good idea and like some basic drag and drop code and you can now walk right into this. Well, that brings up a case for Cezio, right? Like right now Cezio doesn't let people in unless they support the broker distribution channel. And so that affects some of the insured techs, right? So that's going to be interesting to see, you know, does that mandate have to change or not change? Like Ivan's has got the flexibility to let people pipe into it, you know, glove box, different vendors, you know, get certs and stuff like that. That's something that's not allowed right now, unless you only support the broker distribution channel. No, it's not Jeff, because, in my opinion, um, we actually have the best of both worlds because if if organizations like IBAC and CSIO can can do what it is that Ivan's is doing and 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 progress things, we we actually have control about. You know, th there is an exposure there with respect to opening things up too much that it actually invites uh disintermediation m more easily to the broker channel in my opinion um so owning control of that uh and being not for profit brokers engaged in it and being in control of that destiny 
I, I see it as a better place. We just need to be more progressive with it. Yeah, like I think there's some good stuff. Like I said, Cezio and, and IBAC, DX Connect doing some great stuff. And if we can, you know, continue to push the envelope, you know, some of the challenges they mentioned about, you know, every company builds their own API, build it differently. Is this how, what's a transport standard look like? There's a lot of stuff that I know Cezio Initex working on right now, trying to get that mapped out. Tom's working on it. But uh, we're trying to, you know, get a whole bunch of people to come along and not everybody's on the same level of the stairs, right? Everybody's at a different level. And, uh, you know, obviously, if you're in the Ivan's world, you can plug in and they're going to connect for you, you know? So it's uh, it's very interesting, right? If you believe first that he's a serial entrepreneur, which I do, it's believable. How long do you believe that he's going to stay in that seat? Yeah, that's a great question. I think he's, he sounds like he's having a lot of fun and it sounds like, you know, they're busy, crazy, crazy, busy, but. Yeah, I mean, he's not, he's probably not going to be there for 20 years. Like he's going to, my guess is, and who knows, I have no idea, but my guess is, you know, he's, he's that kind of guy who wants to make something big happen. And then he's not, he's not in it for the maintenance period of that. He wants to make something big and cool happen and then go on to the next big cool thing. So is that two years? Is that five years? Maybe. It's, it's not 20 though. Depends his progress, right? The good thing is he can live life on his own terms. So he can actually challenge people and have the real conversations that so many people in the Canadian industry have struggled to have. We're starting to see more conversations open up, but people are always guarded. They don't actually bring up the real things and, you know, things like our podcast, the different groups that are happening, the real conversations are starting to happen and the information is starting to flow to everybody. So there, that's when change happens, right? This is a, you know, an evolution, maybe a revolution, a bit of both, right? Like this is what's happening and digital is changing and shifting the world. And uh, we just, we need to go a little bit faster. We're not going quick enough. And for some people we are going too quick, but we got to put our foot in the gas and all the stuff going on right now is great stuff, but we gotta hit the. We gotta hit. Put the pedal down, guys. Like his monster garage there and his racing. Got to put the pedal down like Reed, right? So anyway, um, let's wrap it up here, boys. Uh, so on behalf of uh, IFS Premium Financing, Crew Group, Garrisons, and Wick, thanks so much for watching, guys, and thanks for being part of the show. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you. Maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast Certified.